Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa was an icon of enormous proportion. He made the case internationally for the boycott of South African goods and reinforced the importance of international trade sanctions against South, Africa, South African goods in order to defeat white supremacy. He also demanded the rights of all citizens without regard to race, supported by gender equality and LGBTQ rights, and fought against corruption, including calling names of offending leaders and holders of political office. He came to be known as the conscience of South Africa and its spiritual leader. He was an enduring figure, known internationally, honored with a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. He was the recipient of more than eight honorary doctorates from internationally reputable universities. The news that greeted me when I awoke in Jamaica Sunday morning, December 26, was that the man known as the conscience of South Africa and its spiritual leader, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, had died at the age of 90 years. He had died earlier that day at his home in South Africa. The very next conversation that I had was a phone call from Zambia. I asked my friend who is a 40 year old mother of four, did she know who Archbishop Desmond Tutu was? She said no, only repeating the name quizzically. Then I thought about it. How is it that such a significant international figure like Desmond Tutu was unknown to the people next door? I asked, did she know who Nelson Mandela was? And she said he was the former president of South Africa. I indicated to her that while Mandela was in prison before becoming president, Tutu was the international face and that he kept the struggles against apartheid on the front pages. And then I started to think about how did I myself come to know Desmond Tutu? I met the then Bishop of Johannesburg while I was a student of the Westminster Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, USA. At the time, I was assured of a career in linguistics as a biblical scholar. My expertise in Biblical Hebrew and Hebrew and, and Biblical Greek was well known. Temple University had a special anti-apartheid event for which the Bishop of Johannesburg, Desmond Tutu, was invited to deliver the key address. I went to the event. I had, of course, as an anti-apartheid uh, activist myself, followed Tutu. 
my interest in Tutu grew more keen after the killing of Steve Biko by the apartheid regime. I devoured most of the literature and was acquainted with most of the figures in the anti-apartheid movement. I was impressed by Tutu, a diminutive figure with a keen intellect and a sharp and alert conscience. Tutu authored beating swords into plowshares. This is the account of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Tutu had been the chairman of that commission. He had been given credit for the idea of the commission, but it was in fact the brainchild of F.W. de Klerk. Keen observers know that activists in South Africa believe that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was a bit of a sellout because while it obviated bloodshed that was thought inevitable with black majority rule, they argued that it became the ruse to avoid reparation and for the white people to remain with the land holdings and wealth they had accumulated during the years of white minority rule. Tutu introduction to the book Beating Swords into Plowshares indicate that the problem of lack of self-belief in themselves has been the bane of black people in, in Africa and elsewhere. Typically Desmond Tutu self-deprecating style. He told a story that he had been on a flight from Johannesburg to Lagos in Nigeria and he was seated near the front of the plane. The cockpit door was open and he could see inside the cockpit that both the captain and the first officer were black. He said that he was overwhelmed with pride when he saw that. But he said that as the flight progressed, it developed severe turbulence and that it was so bad that he found himself looking around in the plane because he wanted to see if there was a white person available to take over the controls of the flight and steady the plane. None appeared and the black captain and the black first officer brought the plane safely to its destination in Lagos, Nigeria. When I, what I noticed about Tutu's speech at the Temple University when I heard him in the middle 1980s was that this was a clergyman speaking thoroughly immersed in the issues of social context in which he lived. He was bishop, later to become archbishop. He was the first black bishop of Johannesburg, but he did not use the language of the ecclesial ghetto or use abstractions to these, these abstractions. I had been engaged in a conversation about Tutu's visit to Philadelphia by my New Testament professor and head of the department. He believed that Ruth Lazy and the Incarta party, party, rather than the ANC, were a good option to settle the matters for black people in South Africa. His remarks profoundly disappointed me. At his naivety, 
and his unsophisticated and unenlightened comments. I felt clear in my mind that if I became anything in my discipline of exegetical theology, I would be more akin to Tutu than to Gaffin, my New Testament professor. I later studied and completed a PhD in public theology. Tutu's impact is beyond isolated persons, however well-placed, on whom he had an impact. The impact he had went beyond his role as an activist and campaigner for black majority rule at the end of apartheid. He had emerged as President Ramaphosa, Ramaphosa has remarked, and has been noted in the editorial of the Jamaica Gleaner. He had become the conscience of the nation and a firm and outspoken critic of corruption in public office. He, was in, he has insisted on the rights of LGBTQ. He has set a benchmark in the Anglican communion as to what churchmanship ought to be like. He personified and exemplified the possibilities of peace and reconciliation and nonviolence as a process of resistance. His churchmanship gave him a reach and respectability that he would not have had otherwise. His courage and clear-sightedness has helped him to speak the truth to power with an accent sweet that made all the difference in the world. In that regard, let me say some words in defense of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission as a pathway to building a rainbow society and a coalition of peace with black majority rule. The conversation is that the same the conversation is the same as the one about the tensions between Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s nonviolence in the civil rights movement and Malcolm X and Black Paul and the politics of confrontation during the civil rights movement. Tutu was being true to his Christian conviction. If black people took to force of arms in order to force social change, a few white people would die. But overwhelmingly, those who would be killed would be black. The other thing is that what is gained by force of arms will be sustained only by force of arms. The international media and the owning classes believed that the promise of reconciliation is good politics and sells well. But Tutor was not being a tactician seeking to win friends and influence people. He was raising the ideas and creating new options. Blood for blood has no end. And Tutu created an option for a peaceful settlement. Some still insist that Tutu got peace but not justice. This is the same argument against the science of correction replacing penitentiary. But violence is no guarantee of justice. Justice ought not to be defined as us doing to them what they did to us. Tutu was one of a handful of South African figures who was significant during the struggle to topple apartheid and also during the struggle to create good governance under black majority rule. 
the means we use need to resemble the ends we seek. Truth and reconciliation resemble the outcome of a rainbow coalition sort. Desmond Tutu imagined a rights-based society, which was a rainbow society in which all peoples enjoy the same rights. He has left South Africa with a strong democracy in which its wealth still needs to be enjoyed by all its citizens, not just its white citizens. That is a work in progress. The spiritual and political leaders need to fully engage that struggle for a more just and a more equal society. A Luther continua. May his soul rest in glory and light perpetually shine on him. Amen.